Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, it's good to see you. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Those of you that are here, those of you that are streaming with us and watching online, thank you uh, for being here. I know that we had some questions from some of our online folks, our online campus, you know, how you can get involved, how you can serve. We have online hosts every single week that make sure those services go off. They answer the questions. They send out the learnings. If that's something that you'd like to do where you can serve at home, just uh, PM your, your host today and they'll get you signed up. But it's great to have everybody with us. Those of you that are here for the first time, thank you for being here. We're in a series right now that we kicked off last Sunday on parenting and uh, parenting perception versus reality. And we established last week that, you know, it's a parenting series, yes, but whether you have kids or not, it's going to help because we're talking about really healthy relationships. How do we have healthy families? How do we have strong families? And last week we talked about our, our tendency as parents is to make our kids' lives great when it comes to experiences, right? They have every experience in the world. They get to play all the sports. They get to wear the nicest clothes. They get to have good Christmases and good vacations. But a lot of times we suffer in the area of investing in them relationally. And it, it comes to light when they get older and, and when your kids are sorting through stuff and they're figuring out things in their life, they're not sitting down as an adult saying, you know, the reason that I'm having difficulty in my marriage is because dad didn't buy me a motorcycle. You know, they're not going to say that. They're not going to say the reason that I struggle with my coworkers is because mom didn't let me go to that high school party. So we talked about the importance of always investing in our kids relationally. And we looked at three relationships every kid needs, really every adult needs. They need a relationship with God. They need a relationship with us as their parents. And they need a relationship with others that, you know, that have influence in their lives. So we, you know, kind of looked at that from a high level with the overarching goal as parents is what? To raise our kids to be responsible adults. We got to raise them so that they can live on their own because we're not always going to be there for them in life. And so uh, we talked about that. And, and really our goal as parents is we do want to see our kids grow up and to mature and to become the people that God desires for them to be, right? I mean, that's, that's what we want, but that's not going to happen all at once. It's a lifelong process, especially from zero to 18 years when we have some influence and some control over our kids. We want to see them go from being dependent to being independent, from being immature to being mature, to being irresponsible to being responsible. That's the goal. So as parents, we want to be able to, to help them on that journey. I read about this lady who was being interviewed uh, she had four kids, and she was being interviewed about raising kids. And the interviewer said, you know, if you had all this to do over again, would you still have kids? And she said, yes. I just wouldn't have the same kids. <laughs> a lot of you can relate to that, but it's a process to move our kids through that phase to when they become adults. And, 
And we want to be better parents and better grandparents and better step-parents and better adoptive parents and foster parents. We want to be all that we can be to set them up for success. We want to be the most positive influence that we can be in the lives of our kids. And again, even if you don't have kids, you're going to deal with kids on a regular basis. You're going to deal with teens and youth on a consistent basis throughout your entire life. And so I think, you know, to be better parents or good parenting starts with us having a goal in mind for our kids. You know, what do I want my kids to look like 10 years from now? Or what do I want my kids to look like 20 years from now? What do I want them to look like as an adult? And, and we can't predict, you know, the future. And, but good parenting, I think, keeps that end goal in mind. So we got to ask ourselves questions all the time. You know, what do I want their character to look like? How do I want them to interact with other people? How do I want them to accept responsibility? What do I want their relationship with God to look like? What do I want their spiritual journey to look like? And, and how we answer those questions today, whether we're a parent or a grandparent, is going to determine how we make decisions that affect our kids and our grandkids in the future. So we always kind of got to keep that vision in our mind of this is what I picture my kid to be as an adult. And you may say, well, you know, what's a realistic picture of that? How do I get that picture? And I think this is a great verse, and it's the first verse on your outline. If, if you don't have the Church Center app, you can download that and follow along with our notes, or you can simply scan that QR code that's in your back of your seat, or the online host will send you a link. But Luke 2.52 says this, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, that's a pretty good model to follow, right? But isn't that true? We want our kids to grow in wisdom. We want them to grow in stature. We want them to grow in favor with God. And we want them to grow in favor with other people. So that's a good goal to shoot for. And I know if you're like me as a parent or if you're a grandparent, you, you see a goal like that and it overwhelms you. Because the truth is, we fail all the time as parents. It's part of the job description. You are going to fail. You are going to make mistakes. It's part of parenting. But the world wants us to think that parenting should be so easy. Right? Go to a seminar on parenting. And they'll make you, you, they'll make you feel dumb. This should be easy. Or you read a book. Or even a Christian book, oh, parenting's easy. Here's three easy steps. Here's seven easy steps. Here's whatever. Society wants us to think that parenting is easy. So this week I decided to, to look for some parenting books. I'm reading a, a current parenting book on uh, spiritual disciplines in, in the lives of kids, which is some of the, uh, the material I'm covering with you. But I found this book on Amazon. It said, How to Traumatize Your Children. Seven proven methods to help you screw up your kids deliberately and with skill. I'm thinking, really? That's a book? And then another one, 11 easy ways to raise a brat. Some of you may need to get that book. I don't know, but uh, I'm not uh, not a great parent. I told you that last week. I'm not going to stand up here and say, I've got it all figured out. I had it all figured out. Oftentimes, we fail. Now, some of you may be watching and and say, you know, we, we were great parents. You know, maybe you were super parent. 
You know, you had a hot breakfast and a hot dinner every single day of the week with your entire family. Maybe you did uh, spiritual lessons every morning before they got on the school bus, or you had family night three or four nights a week, or, you know, your kids obeyed you with just the vo- your voice. They did all their chores. They got straight A's. That may be you, but I doubt it. That's not me. I needed help. I still need help, even though my kids are older. And I would bet that you need help. So if you're a follower of Christ, you know, and I know not everybody's there, but where do we turn when we need help? We, we look in the Bible. And you look through the Bible, and what I see is parents that struggle the same way that I struggle. I don't see any great examples of parenting in the Scripture. And, you know, as a matter of fact, think about this. A couple series ago, we talked about some different characters in the Bible, some heroes of the faith. And uh, you remember a guy by the name of Laban? He had two daughters, Rachel and Leah. He was not a good dad. He was overbearing. He was domineering. He was incredibly deceitful. He was full of deceit. He tricked, you know, Jacob into marrying Leah instead of marrying Rachel. And then you had a guy by the name of Isaac and his wife, Rebecca. You remember them? They had two kids, Esau and Jacob, right? And Rebecca loved Jacob more. Isaac loved Esau more. They pitted their children against each other. They showed incredible favoritism in the family. Not a great example of parenting. So I thought, okay, what about Noah? You know, come on, the the dude saved the whole earth. Noah got loaded in front of his kids, right? Not, probably not the best example. Eli was a great priest, and he lost complete control of his two boys. Well, how about King David? David's a hero of the faith. Maybe, maybe King David. David knew his son had raped his daughter and turned a blind eye to it and didn't do anything about it. How about Lot? You know the story of Lot? Wow. Lot allowed his daughters to get him drunk, and he slept with them. No good examples of parenting. Then I thought, well, maybe, maybe Jesus' parents, right? Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph are traveling from Jerusalem back to Nazareth. Jesus is about 12 years old. It took them three days to figure out Jesus wasn't with them. I'm like, how do you lose Jesus? right? I mean, I I know some of you that have four, five, six kids and and you lose one at a grocery store or you leave them at an amusement park. I get that. But how do you lose the savior of the world? So when I look at parenting in the Bible, I feel a little bit better about myself. We're going to make mistakes. We're not going to do everything right. There's no playbook that you just open and say, this is the way to parent because every kid is different. Every kid has a different set of emotions. Every kid has a different set of feelings. Every kid is motivated by different things. So there's no guarantees when it comes to parenting. But if we'll do some of the things that we're talking about in this series, some of the things we learn on Sundays, what we're doing is we're not getting any guarantees, but we're turning the odds in our favor. We're turning the odds in our favor. And again, we want to make our kids responsible adults. And I think the best way to do that is to take spiritual responsibility for your kid. Take responsibility now for their spiritual 
development. Because we got to come to grips with the fact that we, as parents, even great-grandparents or grandparents or great-grandparents, we have the most spiritual influence on our kids. Now, most of us think that should be the church's responsibility. They, They should be the one that influences our kids spiritually. And that makes sense that we think that way, right? Because that's how we handle a lot of things in society. You you turn it over to an expert or someone who's more knowledgeable than you. For example, if you want your kids to learn how to dance, you take them to a dance instructor, somebody who knows the different dances and and the different moves and the different steps and all of that. If you want your kid to learn how to swim, Unless you were a professional swimmer, you take them to a swim instructor. You give them swim lessons so they're learning from the expert. If you want your kids to be educated, you don't send them to South Bend, Indiana. Okay, so I'm a little bitter still about the ball game. If you want your kids to be educated, you send them to school, right? But if we want our kids to know the Lord, we drop them off at the Christian school or we bring them to church and we hope for the best. And and this is going to sound really strange coming from a pastor, but the church is not the greatest spiritual influencer in the life of your children. It's us. It's the parents. It's our responsibility. It's a responsibility that God has given us. And And I think just if you look at the sheer time we have with our kids you can see that we're the greatest spiritual influencer, right? Think about this. Every kid has 8,760 hours in a year. Well, let's assume they sleep eight hours a day. That's a third of that time gone. If you got a teenager, they sleep, what, half of that time away at least. And then let's assume that they go to school 35, 36 weeks a year, whatever it is, for eight hours a day. So that time they're in school. That leaves, according to my math, a max of 4,400 hours a year that parents have with their kids. And we know you're not going to spend every waking moment with their kids, and they don't want to spend every waking moment with you. But 4,400 hours max, how many hours a year does the church have with your kids? 51 max. Remember, we don't meet the last Sunday of the year. 51 hours max. If you take them to youth group, maybe 20 times a year, maybe you get 70. The church gets 70. That's a little greater than 1% of their available time. So we are uniquely positioned as parents, not only to have the most time with our kids, but to have the greatest influence on their spiritual maturity. And actually, it's a responsibility that God gave us. Think about it. Maybe think about it like this. When you had kids, who was there? You were, right? When your kids enrolled in preschool, who enrolled them? The parents did. When kids go to kindergarten, who puts them on the bus and takes them off the bus? Or if they're in elementary school, who does that? The parents do, or maybe the grandparents. When your kids are in middle school, or high school when they're playing sports or they're involved in the band or they're in an activity or club, who's there? The parents are. When your kid goes off to college or they uh, join the armed forces or they get a job, who moves them out of the house? 
The parents do. Or if they're in college and they move apartments like four times in four years, who moves them from apartment to apartment? The parents do. And when your kids get married, who's there? Who's paying for it? The parents, right? You're probably paying for the honeymoon as well. And then when your kids have kids of their own, who's there? Is it the youth pastor? No. Is it the coach or the teacher? No. The parents. God's going to hold us as parents responsible for the spiritual maturity of our kids. So how do we make sure that happens? And again, we hit this high level last week that they need a relationship with God, especially when they're young. But here's something we can do, and it's learning number one. In your home, make God a normal part of everyday life. Just make God a, a normal part of everyday life. And, and for a lot of us, we, we didn't grow up in, in an environment like that. You know, God was never even heard of unless somebody was cussing, right? Y'all, God doesn't have a last name. You, you thought he did, but he doesn't, right? Or maybe you think about it like this. In a lot of homes, God's like that old sewing machine that your mom or your grandma passed down to you. Right? It's got a little sentimental value. Oh, this is grandma's sewing machine. But it only comes out when something's broken or something needs to get fixed. And then it's put back in, in the closet. Sadly, in a lot of homes, that's how God is. He comes out on occasion when something's broken or something's messed up and then goes right back in the closet. Maybe some of you grew up with a faith like that. Maybe you grew up in a, in a home where God was just completely AWOL, right? God didn't exist. You didn't talk about God. You didn't know God. You didn't go to church. Nothing. There was no God in your home. Others of us, we grew up in a home where God was a holiday God, right? God came out at Easter. God came out at Christmas. Maybe if you're sick of winter, Groundhog's Day, but that's it, right? Or he was a Sunday only God. Everything on Sunday was about God, but Monday through Saturday, there was nothing. Or some of you grew up in a home where God was present, but God was awkward. Well-meaning parents just made God really, really awkward. Like when you had your friends spend the night and you had dinner and your mom opened the Bible and read a scripture verse and said, let's discuss this with your friend. And you wanted to die a thousand deaths, right? You were embarrassed. Your friend was embarrassed. The danger for any of us as parents, no matter how well-meaning we are, is that our faith ends up being a part of our life, or our faith ends up being a compartment in our life, and God's not a part of every aspect of our life. That's the greatest danger, I think, for us as parents. And so there's some wisdom in the Scripture on that, uh, Romans 12.1. Paul says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be living in holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. In other words, we need to let God into every aspect of our life. And the Jewish people, they had instruction in, in the book of Deuteronomy on how to do this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. 
Attention Israel. God, our God, God the one and only. Love God your God with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorpost of your homes and on your city gates. See, the Jews made God a, a part of everyday life. He was a regular part of everyday life. They, they talked about God frequently during the day. They prayed together multiple times a day. They, they had these symbols, if you will, on their hands and on their foreheads, like a headband with a scripture verse in it or whatever, to remind them of God's goodness and God's graciousness and God's provision and God's goodness in their life. They knew multiple times a day they needed to be recalibrated. How many times a, during our day do we need to be recalibrated and reminded of the goodness of God. And I know at first glance that seems kind of odd. They'd have these things on their wrist and their forehead and they'd inscribe things on their doorpost. But we do the same thing when we have scripture verses up at our house or something like that. But think about your kids and think about the symbols that are influencing their character and their worldview today that have nothing to do with God. They're bombarded with images and symbols, right? The, the Facebook icon, the Snapchat and Instagram icon, the, you know, Microsoft or PlayStation or Apple logo, whatever, all these things, the Nike swoosh, Spotify, they're, they're influencing our kids. So why in the world wouldn't we want God to be a regular addition to our everyday life to help start to shape their minds and their character on a frequent basis? And here's something else that's going to sound strange. Your home with your children and what happens in your home life takes precedent over the church life. What do you mean by that? In other words, what's happening in your home with you raising your kids is more important than what's going on on the church calendar. I know somebody would come in our service right now and think, does this guy even want people to go to church, you know? But it's so true because so much of that spiritual influence happens in the home, and the home has to be a priority. And the reason I say that, that it takes precedence, because a lot of you grew up in a home where you were taught that if you weren't in church every time the doors opened, you were in trouble. And the church had something on the calendar every single night of the week. You notice we don't do that because we want you to be in your homes because that's where that impact happens. The majority of that impact happens in the life of your kids. But you were taught if you didn't go to church every time they opened the doors and if you didn't give away you know, 90% of your income, you were going to hell. That's just not true. It's only 30% of your income. <laughs> but isn't that how we grew up? But what happens in that home takes precedence over what happens in the church. And we need to use that home time to influence our kids on their spiritual journey. We need to talk to our kids about faith. We need to talk to our kids about Jesus. 
Talk to him frequently about it. Talk to him on the way home today or at lunch. You know, we'll talk about anything else. We'll talk about sports, talk about, uh, you know, the, the bad effects of drugs and, and being in the wrong crowd. We'll talk about education and politics and music and movies and whatever. But for some reason, we shy away from the most important thing, talking to them about their faith. And I think a lot of times that's because parents think, well, I, I, I don't have enough knowledge. I don't want my kid to stump me. I don't want to be a, a hypocrite. Because we may feel like we failed in some area of our own life when it comes to our spiritual journey, we think we should avoid the conversation. And honestly, the universal church has kind of added into that. Right? The, the, the universal church is kind of built into that and saying, yeah, you, know, you bring your kids here, let us teach them. But it's got to be a two-way street. And most of us have more head knowledge about Jesus than we're ever going to use anyway. I tell people that if you want to talk to your kids about Jesus, the only thing you need to know is that little kid song that you learned when you were a child. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's all you need to know to tell your kid about Jesus' love for him and how he wants a relationship with him. Or tell him how Jesus changed your life. That's all you need to know. But we kind of shy away from that. And I know I'm dumping a lot on you today, but spiritual leadership has nothing to do with whether or not we're a biblical scholar. It has everything to do with whether or not we're willing to step out of our comfort zone and trust that God's going to be with us when we're raising our kids. Let him take our fears and insecurity. And probably the most spiritually mature thing that we could do is to pick up on the things we learn on Sunday and apply them to our life. In other words, to model Jesus in the home. That, that's the most spiritually mature thing any of us could ever do. What hurts kids is not what their parents do for them. It's what they don't do for them. It's not modeling Christ or Christ-like behavior in the home. I mean, do you serve others? Do, do you volunteer and, and help other people? Imagine the example that sets for kids. Oh, this is important to dad to go and, and park cars at the church. It sets a great example. I, I talked about that last week, how parents serve with their kids and, and vice versa. Well, what about in your home? Are you the first to forgive somebody that offends you? I haven't completely forgiven last night, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it, all right? Or, or do you talk about that other person behind their back and belittle them in front of your kids? Do you say things like, oh, you know, the church just wants my money, or are you generous? Do you know what it means to help the poor and help those less fortunate and to, to further God's kingdom? We, we got to model Christ in the home, and it's not that hard. So learning number two, parents model spiritual maturity for their kids. And what we model, they're going to pick up on. Again, because of all that time that we have. And, and to the men in the church who have small kids, I'm going to challenge you right now. And, and take spiritual responsibility in your house. Take that role with spiritual leadership seriously because that's our role. And that freaks guys out when you talk about that. Well, how do I do that? I don't know the Bible. I didn't grow up in church. Just encourage your family to worship together. The pattern in the Bible was families worship together. Encourage them to come with you when you come to church. 
Or, you know, one of the greatest things you can do, and I talked to couples about this in premarital counseling, just simply love your wife. That's modeling Jesus in the home. Jesus said to love your wife more than Christ loved the church. If you do that, guess what? You're modeling Christ. Talk about your wife highly all the time. Even when you're with your buddies, speak highly of your wife. That's modeling Christ. Let your kids see that you have faith. Let your kids see that you love Christ. Let your kids see that you love their mother. Let your kids see that you love them. That's modeling Christ. Have honorable character. Be humble. It's not that hard. We are the biggest influencers in the life of our kids. Here's something else we can do. Learning number three. Paint a picture of God that is so awesome and so big and so amazing that it makes him worth following. The picture has to be so big that he's worth following. And let me tell you, this whole thing of parenting, it's never going to be easy. There's no one book that we can turn to to say, okay, this is what I need to do in this situation. And parents, we have a lot of responsibility, and the church has responsibility. But together, parents at home and the church can make amazing things happen. It's, it, it's a partnership. And if we work together, our kids, our grandkids are going to grow up in an environment where they truly see who Christ is. And they're going to have the best opportunity to have a relationship with Christ. Yes, as parents, we're plan A. And the church is plan B, but together plan A and plan B can help our kids to develop into mature, Christ-loving adults. Remember that proverb we looked at last week, Proverbs 22.6, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. The direction our kids are heading in today is going to determine their destination, right? So we have to give them clear direction. If I'm heading north and think I'm going to get to Florida, it's not going to happen. The direction I'm going is going to determine where I land, right? It's going to determine my destination. So we as parents have to continually guide and direct our kids. We're going to make mistakes. There's going to be detours. There's going to be bumps along the way, but we got to give them direction. Teach them about Christ. Don't let what you've heard uh, in the past, maybe from a well-meaning pastor or Sunday school teacher, uh, stray you away. Just teach them characteristics of Jesus. Jesus was humble. Teach them how to be humble. Teach them how to deal with conflict. Teach them how to handle anger. I'm sure some of your kids have, have shown some anger in the house. Teach them how to deal with that. Teach them how to be generous. Teach them how to be gentle. Teach them how to love other people and to care about other people and respect other people with God looks like. The best thing, though, that we can do is simply to model it. They're going to make their decision on their own someday about God. But right now, especially the younger they are, we can influence a lot of those decisions. Our mission isn't simply to protect our kids all through their life. It's to prepare them. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for uh, the gift of children, Lord, and 
the ability to have a part in raising them. Lord, we acknowledge that our, our kids are truly yours. And you've just called on us to, to raise them for 18, 19, 20 years, whatever that may be. God, I pray for every parent who's watching and every parent who's here who is in this journey to raise their kids, that you would give them wisdom and guidance and encouragement and strength along the way. God, I pray for grandparents that are trying to help with raising grandkids and still trying to help their kids, that you would give them patience in their interaction uh, with kids. I pray for those that have uh, been trying to have kids and can't or that have lost children, that you would be with them, that you would give them grace and peace and some comfort. Lord, we know this isn't easy, but we know that we can, we can do it with your help. And Lord, I pray for every kid and grandkid that's represented by a parent or a grandparent watching or here today, that you would continue to call those children until they come to you, that you wouldn't give up on them. Lord, you didn't give up on us. You say in your word that, that your desire is for everybody to know you. And Lord, I want you to get what you want. Just keep calling until they come to you. Maybe you're here today as we're praying and you would say, man, Scott, I, I've, never, I've never accepted Jesus. I've never had a relationship with God. And I, I think that's got to be the first step for me before I can influence my kids on their faith journey. Maybe you grew up in a church, you were taught that you had to do certain things or stop doing certain things before you could have a relationship with Jesus. I hope you know that's not true. God loves us unconditionally. All we got to do is come to him. All we got to do is come and say, Jesus, you know what? I'm a sinner and I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to start following you and I want you to help me as I raise my kids. I encourage you to do that today. God, thank you for the opportunities that we have. Thank you for this church family and just their grace. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Just a couple things as we wrap up. Uh, there's a couple of groups that are set up in the lobby. Uh, our Samaritan's Purse, uh, you know, the shoebox group. It's hard to believe it's already time to start filling those boxes. If that's something you do with your kids or your family, or you do individually and want to pick up one of those boxes and fill it this year, you can stop by uh, out there at that table and pick one of those up. I hope this series is helping you. It's definitely helping me. Um, again, this is about healthy relationships all the way around, but we're focusing in on the kids. Uh, I appreciate you being here. Uh, I thank you for your prayers. I thank you for everything you do for this church. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next week.